discouragement. There are many reasons in these times to become discouraged. I don't know about you. Well, actually, I'm not even going to say that. I know that each one of you have moments of discouragement. For some of you, that settles deeper than for others. But all of us experience discouragement in different ways. I'm discouraged right now that we're still under lockdown. And it looks like we may be for a number of weeks. I was discouraged. I know Brittany was discouraged to know that the kids would be continuing with online learning for the next number of weeks yet. Sometimes I get discouraged uh, that my kids don't listen to me better. I get discouraged that I don't uh, respond more faithfully in situations that come my way. This week on Wednesday, I felt a deep sense and, and a numbness actually, uh, a deep sense of discouragement and numbness settle upon me as I watched the, in, the events unfold at Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. And, and just, uh, boy, surprising, bewildering, um, concerning, thinking about how these events, how the, the deepening divisions may affect American democracy in the years to come and how that could have a ripple effect for us north of the border. Uh, discouragement. I'm not going to go on further. I think that all of us can readily name the ways in which we experience discouragement, the ways we get pulled toward focusing on the negative and dwelling there. We're heading into a new teaching series based on the letter of Paul to the Philippian church. So Philippi is a, is a city in Asia Minor. It's actually the first city that Paul planted a church in, in Eastern Europe where he started advancing into Macedonia. Kind of some neat events where God very clearly made it known to Paul that he had to go into Macedonia to the city Philippi to plant a church. So it was a huge step in the spreading of the gospel, the first step into European territory. So this is a letter that Paul has written to them. And one of the themes in this letter is joy. Joy, or some variation, rejoice, or, or straight up the word joy, are found 13 times in this book, far and above any other uh, letter, any other body of, of Scripture, section of Scripture that we have in the Bible. Joy. So Paul's talking about joy here. And what's fascinating is Paul had many, many reasons to not be joyful. As he writes this letter, he is in chains He's bound in one place under house arrest. He can't come and go as he freely wishes. He can't have a nice meal or a good shower as he wishes. He can't freely party and pray with his beloved friends. And to be honest, Paul did not know for sure if he would make it out of that prison alive. He did end up making it out, but he wasn't sure. It was possible that execution awaited him. So that's reason number one why you can look at Paul and say, well, yeah, he had a lot of reason to be discouraged. And there's a number of references to this reality throughout the letter of Philippians. The second piece that we see in the book of Philippians, a reason why Paul had to be discouraged was that there were false teachers, people bringing ideas that simply weren't true to the church in Philippi saying, actually, the gospel is this. Actually, this is what God wants you to do. Actually, this is how you ought to view the world. And they were trying to throw the church off course. And Paul calls these people dogs. He calls these people in another section in the book of Philippians, enemies of Christ. 
Paul sees this going on. He's stuck in prison. This church that he planted, he, I imagine he's got lots of hopes for how it will advance the gospel in the, re, in the region. And he sees this destructive effect. He had every right to be discouraged. The third reason that we see that Paul had to be discouraged is with two women. These are influential leaders in the church. Their names are Euodia and Syntyche. These were people whom it appears were at odds with one another. There was a division that had taken root. And no doubt that was working its way through the church. And Paul urges him, we'll get to it later in the letter, but Paul urges them to be of one mind, to join forces for the health of the church and the furthering of the gospel. But the church is threatened by this division and the way it's working itself out among the people. So Paul's stuck in prison. There's people trying to distort the gospel, destroy the church, and then within the church, you got people that can't get along. He probably had every right when he wrote this letter to be like, good heavens, what's going on here? You guys got to shape up. God, what are you doing here? He could have expressed a lot of discouragement. And yet we see this theme of joy in the letter. And so I think that this is a fitting letter for our time. I want to be someone who faces life with joy. I want to be like Paul here, where my mind doesn't dwell on and get overwhelmed by all the crappy things going on around us, but that I see things through a positive lens and a hopeful attitude, an attitude of joy. So, so what does that look like? How do we get into that place? I want to make clear before I proceed, we're going to dive into the text in a moment, but I want to make it clear that this idea of joy doesn't mean we're never sad. This idea of joy doesn't mean that we never lament. We see in the scriptures, Jesus weeps. There's a whole book in the Bible called Lamentations, where anger and frustration is expressed. That is appropriate. And no doubt, we also have the reality that some folks experience mental illness, experience depression, experience anxiety, experience various forms in which the mind, because of neurological, biological reasons, And we're not going to dive into sort of the the mystery and all the dynamics, but it's entirely understandable that discouragement is a reality that they face. And it's not simply a matter of, well, try harder to be more joyful. And in those situations, medication can often be helpful. In those situations, working with a counselor, working with a psychiatrist to to dig through what are the reasons for this is significant. And, And so as I invite us into this life of joy, like Paul, I also don't want to add a burden onto people for whom discouragement is a heavy factor in their lives driven by other realities. I don't want to add a burden to people who are experiencing incredible sadness because of events around them. I don't want to say that we shouldn't lament. I don't want to say that we shouldn't weep. And yet, alongside of that, there is this reality that we can approach life with a posture of joy. What does that look like in day-to-day circumstances? To be like Paul, where he didn't get overwhelmed, he didn't dwell on the negatives, but rejoice and, and had this delightful, actual, actually delightful attitude. So let's read from Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 1 to 11 here. I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me. Pause the video if you need to do that to grab your phone, grab your Bible. Look it up in your browser, Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. If you're ever looking for a good website to find uh, scripture in, check out BibleGateway.com. That's BibleGateway.com. All kinds of different translations there. That's a a go-to for me. And of course, lots of different Bible apps as well. Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 1. 
Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time that I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's fascinating, this optimism, this joy that Paul has, every reason to be discouraged. And he's saying, God's got you. He's doing a good work and he's going to finish it. You won't be overwhelmed. You won't be destroyed. This church isn't going to be wiped off the map. The gospel is going to continue to go forth. What God started, he's going to finish. And nothing can interrupt that. I'm sorry, I interjected with that, but I'm fascinated with how Paul has this joyful attitude when he has many reasons to be discouraged and concerned. Verse 7, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains, a reference to him being in prison, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how long, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Now, in a couple minutes, I'm going to share with you a story, an inspiring story of incredible joy in the midst of incredible hardship. We'll get to that in a moment, but I want to highlight a couple other pieces prior to this. Why does Paul have this joy? What is it rooted in? Here we have a hint, and it's going to be laid out increasingly throughout the book of Philippians. It's the gospel of Jesus. You're probably not surprised to hear me say that. It's the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of God's grace. He says here, verse 7, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you. It's right for him to be optimistic and not discouraged. It's right for him to see all of the good things that God's doing, to give God thanks for this church. Because, because they share in God's grace with him. That's it. That's the foundation. In the midst of being in chains, for us in the midst of being in a lockdown where we're stuck at home and we can't be with those we love, it's frustrating. I can't wait till we're out of it. But underneath that is a foundation of us being rooted in the gospel of God's grace. God loves you. He likes you. He loves you so much that he went to the furthest depths possible by dying on your behalf and raising from the dead, defeating evil, going through incredible suffering for you so that you could be set free. And this is a gift. It's a gift that each and every one of us receive. This is the gospel of grace. And so when we have this, and because the the outworking of this is eternal life, life forever, this is our promise everything we experience now, whether it's a bunch of discouraging weeks because we're in lockdown, whether it's someone you care about deeply who's really struggling right now, or whether it's concern about the future of democracy or the political process and how 
you know, we look south of the border, how will it affect us north of the border? All of that stuff is significant, but it's not the ultimate issue. Our hope does not depend on any of those things. Our hope is dependent on Jesus, on the gospel of grace, the fact that God, by his love, invaded our lives and has set us free through our faith, our confession of sin, our belief in his life, his death, and his resurrection. That's it. Paul knows that even if he dies at the hands of the executioner, even if this church does get wiped out, which he doesn't appear to believe to be true, even if all of that stuff, he knows his future, he's rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation of our hope. And we're going to see that. That's the foundation of our joy. That's why we can walk through any circumstance with optimism. We'll see this more as we work through the book of Philippians. Now, I, I don't know about you, but when I'm discouraged, I tend to vacate. I'm, I'm learning this f- through Freedom Session. Freedom Session, the spiritual healing journey that a number of us are, are going through right now. I am uh, discovering this. So, I have a tendency to, to vacate, to kind of back off. Maybe in my role as a pastor, if something's not working out, I find it harder to be motivated and to really kind of press in and make things happen. Maybe at home I'm frustrated with a relationship or, or I'm discouraged because of whatever. I vacate. I, I kind of settle back into my lazy boy chair. I whip out my phone and I start reading about sports or watching something on YouTube. Because I vacate. I get numb. I step back because it's hard to engage in something where I don't see promise. I don't see something that's going to be improving, I think. And I think, well, why bother? So you kind of coast. You kind of ride it out. And that's something that I, I battle when I'm discouraged. Now, what's fascinating here is that Paul, in the midst of all of these reasons why he could be discouraged, he doesn't do that. Again, it's because of this joy founded in the gospel of Jesus. But rather than vacating, rather than numbing to the situation, he presses in. And we see this. First, we see it in his expression of thankfulness. Verse 3, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. He doesn't say every time I remember you, I weep because I think you're in trouble. I weep because I see division. I weep because you've got these people threatening the gospel in your lives. He says, no, every time I pray for you, I thank God. In my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. And so this is one way in which this hopefulness, this joy of Paul is expressed is in thankfulness. And I think that as we grow in this, um, grow deeper into joy, we will become more thankful. Something that I expressed back in the fall was this idea of fake it until you make it. I'm not asking people to be fake to be someone they're not, but, but what I am asking is sometimes take these steps into a reality that you're not already feeling or experiencing. I want to be joyful. When I'm joyful, then I will give thanks more. Well, I'm not feeling that intense joy yet. That's not something I've grown into. But I'm going to start out actually by giving thanks often and regularly. We're going to see this in the story I'm going to share with you in a moment. Starting out by giving thanks to God. This is part of this process of growing into joy. The second thing is we see that he is entirely optimistic about those around him. He doesn't think about the reasons why their faith might be interrupted. He doesn't dwell on their immaturity. He says, he says, um, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is the outworking of joy, this optimism, this seeing the hope that God brings and seeing God's promises. How often when we're discouraged do we become overwhelmed with the lies? Satan wants to say, 
yeah, but people don't care about this. And yeah, God's not going to do this. And you're going to be left alone. And this is whatever. He just fills our heads with all kinds of nonsense. And the outworking of this joy for Paul is he's entirely optimistic and excited. He sees the good that is going to happen. He's confident in the power of God that the good work he did in the lives of the Philippian church, that God is going to carry it on to completion. The last thing is that he sees their growth. Not only that God's going to get them into heaven, but he sees and yearns for the ongoing growth of the believers. Like I said, sometimes my temptation is to kind of vacate, to get, to get numb, be like, oh, none of this is really making any, any difference anyhow. And we don't see that in, in Paul. We see this this expectation that they will grow. And so he's praying for it. He's saying, I'm praying that your love will grow more and more. You've got these false teachers that are trying to distract you. You've got this division. What you need is more love, but a love that has grown in knowledge and depth of insight. A a love that is wise, a love that is discerning, a love that can navigate situations well so that you can become pure and blameless before Jesus. You're saved, you're saints, but you're growing into this reality of actually living out this purity that God has already given you, becoming more pure, becoming uh, more righteous. He talks about the fruit of righteousness. And and so Paul very much expects, I'm going to keep praying for this. I think you guys are going to keep growing. And so I also see this expectation of growth Instead of this throwing our hands up and being like, well, this is all there is, when we're discouraged, this joy brings with it an expectation of growth and development, maturing in faith, becoming more like Jesus. So there's, there's a lot going on here. Um, all I know is that when I read this, and when I think about the joy I experience sometimes, I want to become, sorry, when, yeah, when I think about the discouragement that I experience sometimes, Sometimes I want to become more joyful. I want to be like Paul like this. Like I want to, I want to have those rose-colored glasses. I want to readily give thanks. I want to expect that God's going to finish the work that he started. I want to be yearning for more growth with you. I want to grow in my capacity to love well and to love wisely. All of this stuff. I want to be a more joyful person. Let me share a story with you, a story of actually surprising joy. And, and uh, I, I hope that this comes to you not as a discouragement of like, oh my, like, I don't know how to get there, but as an inspiration. I very much believe that this joy is possible. So the story of Corrie ten Boom. Corrie ten Boom was a woman in Germany who was gathered up, her and her sister Betsy, and they spent time in the Ravensbrück concentration camp, a horrible place. You have heard the stories of the Holocaust the incredible tragedy, the slaughter of many Jews, the work camps, uh, just, just horrible. So they were in this concentration camp, seeing terror every day, and the fleas were terrible. The fleas, you think of all of the scary things they face, but ongoing day after day, this incredible painful nuisance of fleas biting them. Now Betsy and Corey, Ten Boom were vibrant followers of Jesus. And, and no doubt you would expect that their time in a concentration camp would put their faith to the test. But they kept pressing and they kept seeking God. They kept holding fast to Scripture. And one day they were reading 1 Thessalonians and it said, Rejoice always. Pray continuously. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of Christ Jesus. 
and Betsy was teaching this scripture and Corey was like, I, I don't know, does this apply to our lives in a concentration camp? Surely when this was written in the scriptures, they couldn't have thought of the horrors that we're facing right now. And Betty said, nope, this is God's word for us. We've got to give thanks. So they started listing the things that they could possibly give thankful for, that they were in the same barrack, that they were still alive, that the women around them were responding to God's good news. All of these things they started to slowly thank God for. And then they got to the fleas. And Corey was like, like, this is too much. I cannot give God thanks for the fleas. And Betsy said, no, we have to. This is God's call for us. We will give God thanks for even the fleas. Rejoice, give thanks in all circumstances. And so that's what they did. And Corey's heart was not in it. She was doing it just because she felt like it was the right thing to do. And so she thanked God begrudgingly for the fleas. And the fleas continued to bite. They continued to make life miserable. But eventually they discovered the gift that the fleas were. One day there was a a circumstance going down in the barrack and they called the guard to come and tend to it and the guard refused to enter their barrack. And they realized, they asked why this was and, and, and the guard said, well, it's full of fleas. I want nothing to do with fleas. I do not want to be infected by fleas. And this is when the light turned on. You see, in that barrack, they had been having lively Bible studies, lively times of worship, these incredible services, and they were shocked that they were able to get away with as much worship as they did. They were shocked that they could do this so freely. And that's when the light went on. They said, this is the gift that the fleas are. The fleas are keeping the guards out of our barracks. They don't want to come and intervene, and so they're letting us get away with these these wonderful worship services are allowing us to sing together to preach the gospel and people to encounter God even in that concentration camp. And so in that moment, the light went on for Corey Ten Boom and she said, I can have joy in this horrible circumstance because I believe that God's at work. He is using these fleas to create something that is good. This incredible opportunity, this incredible instance of experiencing deep joy in the midst of really painful circumstances. And so Barrick's, the the book, if you've never read it, Hiding Place, I I would say it's top 10 of the books that I've ever read. Very inspiring. The Hiding Place, the story of Corey Ten Boom. So Barrick's 28 at Ravensbrook was known as, the book says, the crazy place where women have hope. And this hope the book says, was the living hope of Jesus. There was joy in that incredibly dark place because of the hope that they found in Jesus. So what does it look like to become more joyful? I'm, I'm not there. I experience joy in some ways. I experience joy in, in some wonderful ways. Often, I have the joy of Jesus in my life, but not always. I want to grow to this place where I can be like Paul where I can be like Corey Ten Boom. I'll, I'll be honest, I, I think if I was tossed in the, in the slammer, I would have a hard time being as optimistic as Paul. I'd probably write a letter to my people talking about how terrible all of this is and how discouraged I am. And that's not what Paul does. I want to be like Paul. As I face the challenges of lockdown right now, as I face various challenges, It's not to say that there shouldn't be some sadness. It's not to say there shouldn't be some lament. But is there an undercurrent of joyfulness and hopefulness that drives us forward? I want to be there. And the thing is, 
I don't think that you're going to get there simply by listening to this sermon and be like, all right, I'm going to be super joyful now this week because I have Jesus. I don't think it's that simple. I don't think, you know, I expect that you can respond to this with a measure of joy this week and take a step into that. But I don't expect that having listened to this, you'll all of a sudden become this super joyful person. What does it come down to? It comes down to a life of rooting ourselves in the gospel of Jesus. Day after day after day after day. The good days and the bad days, the easy days, the hard days, reminding ourselves of the good gift of God's grace. I have a good future. God's got me in His hands. God's forgiven my sins. He's restored that relationship. He's active in my life. As we meditate on that, as we grow into that, as we grasp onto that promise, pushing away the lies of Satan, we grow into this posture of joyfulness. If you pause, I imagine that you can think of someone whom you perceive as a very joyful person. Someone who's rooted in the gospel. May we seek out God's grace, dwell on it, let it become more firmly rooted in our lives so that we can be like that person. that Maybe that you look up to and you can picture. That we can be like Paul, that we can be like Corey Ten Boom, so that we can say, I always pray with joy. Even in the midst of situations where we could have a laundry list of all of the horrible things going on around us. Let's pause there. It's my hope that this time we spend in Philippians, in the variety of things we'll be learning, will be a journey into joy. Let's, let's pray. God, we want your joy. We believe, God, we've seen it. We hear about it. We believe it's possible to have that joy as a foundation of our lives. And, and we have experienced it in part. We want to experience it more fully. And so we fix our eyes on you, God. We pray that you would bring that joy, but we fix our eyes on you. Thank you so much that what we see around us isn't the whole story. Thank you so much that you love us day after day after day. Every morning when we get up, you love us again, just as much as the day prior. Thank you for that. I pray that you would invade our hearts with that truth. And I conclude by praying Paul's words that he prayed over the Philippian church over all of you. I pray that you, the people of Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church, you, our friends who may be watching online, Whoever you are, I pray that you would be, that, sorry, that your love would abound, be overflowing more and more in knowledge and in depth of insight. May our love have knowledge and depth and insight so that we could discern what is best, so that we can discern what is pure and what is blameless for the day of Jesus, so that we can be filled with the fruit of righteousness. God, we want to be filled with all of these good things. And we trust that this comes through you, Jesus. And we want it to be to your glory and your praise. Not our honor, not so we can have a wonderful life, but so that people will see how good you are, God. We pray all of this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May we grow to be a people of joy. As I conclude, I welcome you Sunday morning to join us 10 a.m. on Zoom. We're going to get together, see one another's faces, And uh, we will spend some time in prayer. We will spend some time reading a bit of scripture. We'll spend some time hearing from one another in a variety of ways. Oh, we're also going to have music. And our quality of music will be a little bit better than it was last week, just so you know we've we've addressed that. Um, So anyhow, join us 10 a.m. for a time of being together 
as best as we can during this time of lockdown. If you don't have the Zoom link, please message myself personally, message the church. We, uh, we want to get that in your, in your hands. We'd love to have you join us, whoever you are. All right. Thank you for spending this time with me today. May we become a people of joy. Talk to you later.